Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes, Episode 5. My name is Jared. I'm joining my friend here, Stephen Reed. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well today. How are you doing? Hey, we both know I'm just lucky to be here, right? Absolutely. Just like everybody else. Yeah. So, hey, here we are in the middle of training camp. And let's just start with a pretty wide-open question, brother. What have you heard so far that's got your that's rocking your socks, if you will? Right now, <laughs> Woo, that's a that's a subtle lead there. Um, Thank you. Uh, the things that I keep hearing is uh, how all of the draft picks that that Chris Ballard has made in the past two years are just seeming like really huge home runs, if not home runs, at least solid triples. Um, in 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 training camp so far, um, as you so subtly mentioned, Rakusin is is showing a lot of a lot of competitiveness, uh, some great great talent there, um, and a lot of promise. And so you can't you you got to be excited about that. You know, Paris Campbell, they've they've talked about how well he's played thus far um, prior to getting a little dinged up, um, and so you, you just you hear about a lot of the 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 young guys that are coming in and the second year guys and how they seem like they've improved as well. So that that's my biggest thing right now. Yeah, I think the favorite my favorite thing that I've read multiple times so far is that Mo Alley Cox is an on another level. And I'm like, oh yeah, and he, really? Because he was just a big target, right? He's just a big guy with big hands. And now people are saying, no, he's a completely different player. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice because we have Jack, we have Eric Ebron, and they're kind of known quantities. Mo Ali Cox, like we said, is a young player, kind of developing. He's a basketball guy, right? And then all of a sudden, yep. this this offseason, all I've heard is he's a monster. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice because Andrew Love loves his tight ends. So that was really nice to hear. And then, of course, um, you know, it's like I told you when we were chatting prior, when, when the NFL draft was on – the interactions that I got from the pe- my friends and my family was, what in the world are the Colts thinking? Trading out around one, trading back, and then taking this kid out of Temple. Like, who cares about Temple football, right? Yeah. And I, I remember thinking in my mind, there's going to be a really outstanding reason that I, it will take me five minutes to figure out why Chris Ballard took this kid. And so while we're thinking about Rakia Sin and, he, and, we're, and, we're, and he's in our mind and in our mouth, just remember this. At Temple, in order for you to get a single-digit number, you have to be one of the toughest football players on that team. And for toughest a, nine guys. Toughest 
nine players. And for a cornerback, and especially coming into the NFL, for him to be one of the toughest football players on a, on a team full of probably jackrabbits, that, you know what I mean, big old, long, lanky, athletic players that hit you and weigh 300 pounds, yeah, the cornerback is wearing a single-digit jersey number. And you watch him play, he not only makes plays like he is capable, he's got the hands to make the interceptions, right, when he's in position to do so, but he also stays with the guy he's supposed to be guarding, makes plays on the ball that, you know, aren't anything other than you saw it appear to appear to Sear last year, right, where he was just staying on his man and making a play on the ball when it gets there, right? That's what you want to see out of your cornerback. But what I'm reading now that makes it even more impressive, if you think about cornerbacks, they're generally considered like a mismatch with big wide receivers. <clears throat> Devin Funches, right? So the Colts go out and they bring in Devin Funches, this big-bodied receiver, reminds you of Heinz Ward, but faster, right? And then, oh, they're going to draft this little corner out of Temple. And remember, I told, just told you, all my friends are like, oh, that was a horrible decision. Chris Ballard whiffed on this one, not, not this year. I'm, I'm seeing tweets from people I respect, like Stephen Holder and Zach Kiefer and those guys saying, yo, Rakyasin and Devin Funches are going toe-to-toe every day in practice. That's a huge deal. Devin, Fen- Devin Funches is a veteran wide receiver, a big guy too, and probably a mismatch for Rocky Sin. I think he's probably a couple inches shorter and probably a little lighter. It's probably not a great mis- a great matchup for him, but for a rookie to come in and go toe-to-toe, and, and it also begs the question, like, he has to be in consideration to be at, like the starting or number two corner or number, number three at the worst, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to think that Yasin is is right there. Like you've got Desir at one, and then that that other outside cornerback position is is kind of up in the air. And I haven't I've heard you know little things here and there about Quincy Wilson, but it sounds like Yasin is is right in there to to try to lock down that other other cornerback position. And of course, we've got guys like you mentioned, Quincy Wilson. We've got Kenny Moore. And we've got Nate Harrison. And we've got Jalen Collins. Right. But if you really Think about who's making noise, right? And, and I always say, um, remember, I think you've probably heard me say this before. If they keep saying their name and it's in a positive manner, there's a reason for that, right? It's because they're showing out. They're 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 in on every play. And remember, I'd, I'd made the same comments about um, Marcus Hunt. I'd made the same comments about Matthias Farley, where it's like, oh, my gosh, he made like three plays in a row that were really important, impactful plays. But then I keep reading through the uh, Colts. Have, the Stampede Blue has the the tracker set up, so you can see all the Colts um, commentators, writers, content creators. You can see all of the people that are at training camp and what they're saying. And if you just go put them in a list, it's an awful lot of Rakyasin. It's an awful lot of Okariki. It's a lot, awful lot of. I'm trying to think of people I know for a fact have been mentioned that haven't been, but I read things today that for the record to get completely off track, what I was saying, one of the things I read today that was really exciting was like the Colts were doing um, uh, goal line work with the number one offensive line. And that wasn't even the number one defensive line, but they were getting stood up at the goal line. And I'm like, that, that tells you something about building a competitive franchise is when you're ultra dominant, starting offensive line is trying to get a couple yards in goal line practice and get stuffed 
by not even the number one defensive line. It was, from what I understand, it wasn't even starters, right? Because we got starters out and injuries. Um, but that's good. that feels good for me. And obviously, the quarterback that's in play kind of matters. So I guess I guess it's probably a pretty good caveat into the conversation about, hey, some of the things I've heard about Jacoby Brissett are kind of concerning. I'm not concerned at all about Andrew Luck missing regular season games, but it's worth talking about, right? That some of the things we saw when Jacoby was playing quarterback for us were that he holds onto the ball too long and he has to get out of the pocket and make a play. And frequently that's not like the best play available. And I'm reading, I'm hearing the same things from training camp this year, uh, especially, you know, being unable to get the ball across the goal line in a goal line scenario, like that's nightmarish, right? That, that's, a, that's a reminder of days past where, you know, when you don't have Andrew Luck, or when you have Andrew Luck, you're all but a lock to be in that game. And when you don't, like, it's it's a dark day. And so for the offense today, at least at least based on the tweets I've read so far today, today has not been a good day for the Colts offense. Uh, but again, yeah, I guess... I've heard the same thing. Yeah. It just... Not having Andrew Luck there kind of hamstrings you. Um, so I guess that's a worthy conversation, too. Uh, what do you think about what's going on with Andrew Luck so far? I think people are blowing it way out of proportion right now. Um, yeah. Because, honestly, you're 40, 30, 40 days until the next uh, a game that actually matters. Right. You got Andrew Luck, who is you know, a, a veteran, who's been through it all, who's, who's done everything at this point. Um, and he's trusting himself, and he's trusting his body, and he's not pushing himself like he did with the, the shoulder to try to come back too soon. And once he felt that, that calf tighten up, he stepped aside and said, look, I'm not going to go through it. I'm not going to put myself in that position to let the team down by going and pushing it in practices and training camps that for the course of the season doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters to, to get everybody together and, and get kinks worked out and everything. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, you don't, you don't win a Super Bowl in training camp, but you can certainly lose it Absolutely. if, for example, he, he goes and pushes it. And with the Kevin Durant situation in the NBA finals is he had a similar situation where he had a calf injury and they went ahead and put him out there and he tore his Achilles. Why put your franchise quarterback in that same position? So I don't see, I just think everybody's blowing this out of proportion right now. If it gets closer to like, if it gets to Labor Day and he's not practicing, then okay, maybe I'm a little worried, but at the same time, I'm not as worried because the Colts still have one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. And so, yeah, I would of course prefer to have Andrew Luck in there starting day one, but it's not like this, the Colts roster is what it was two years ago when, you know, Chris Ballard initially took over and he inherited all of those players from Ryan Gregson. Right. Like that roster was junk. Right. And there's some, there's some stats out there that I think it was like, there's only a handful of players that Ryan Grigson drafted from like 2013 to 2016 that were even still in the NFL. And it just blew my mind because that's just bad. That's, that's remarkably bad. Yeah. And you had Jacoby Brissett coming in who never had a chance to, to play before that play in that system before that. Cause he got traded, you know, prior to week one right. um, that year and they put him in week one and, and against the Rams and and let him try to try to figure it out and 
So you sit there and say, you've got Jacoby Brissett coming in if, if he needs to. Uh, the, the talent along the entire roster is so much better than what it was before. Right. Uh, I'm not as worried. Even, even if Luck has to miss a game, which I still don't think he will, because I think he'll play if it's a calf injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think giving him three, four weeks, five weeks to before actual football comes, that he'll be fine. And I think people need to kind of slow their roll a little bit because they're kind of flipping out and they shouldn't. Yeah. I think one of the things that I want to point out, um, and this is just coming from having played sports and you played sports, so you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. is true. When you're hurt all the time, you know, and I have friends that are rugby players. I have friends that are lacrosse players, uh, sports similar to football for the record friends. Um, when you're hurt all the time, you're not getting better. You're just hurt and you're just trying to get better. You're trying to get healthy. You're not actually becoming better at your job. So if you think about Andrew Luck in his career so far, before this announced calf injury, a pronounced calf injury, right? Mm-hmm. He had had a really quiet offseason. He'd gotten to get away for a while. and Got and married. Got married. He's breathing a little bit, living a normal life. And then he comes back to work and starts, and he's a hard worker. You know, that's one of the things uh, we get to say with pride about this Colts franchise is these boys work. And I'm confident because I saw him play in practice and I saw him uh, not with his shirt off, but I saw him uh, it was short sleeves on. And you can tell he's jacked. He's ready to go. I would argue he's probably the most in shape quarterback in the NFL, save for your Kyler Murray's and your Lamar Jackson's. And just that's just in terms of athleticism, not even in shape. Right. So I have such high expectations of Andrew Luck that I'm willing to accept him looking the camera people dead in the eye and saying, look, I'm not hurt. I'm not getting surgery. Um, I didn't tear anything. I'm not walking with a limp. I just have a little discomfort in my ankle. And I'll tell you, I broke my ankle when I was a freshman in high school trying to dunk a basketball. And it was never the same ever again. Because I had to keep going to practice. I had to keep going. There's no, when you're in high school and you're trying to make a sports team, you don't just get to sit out. I made the freshman basketball team with a hurt ankle, right? And you think about the whole rest of the time I was in high school, my ankle kind of bothered me, and I rolled my ankle frequently because I never was able to stop practicing and working so hard and focus on getting healthy. And I'm not making excuses. I didn't have the work ethic. I, You know what I mean? Like, I didn't work hard enough. I'll fully admit all that. But the reality is, if I hadn't broken my ankle when I was a freshman and hadn't just stopped going to practice, stopped working out, and just focused on fixing that ankle, I maybe I would have developed a better work ethic because I wouldn't have been in pain all the time. And, and, and there's a million athletes out there that feel the same way I do. You get hurt once, you never get to treat it, and you're never the same. Well, Andrew, you think about it this way. Like, when you get hurt like that, your, your body naturally goes in and finds another way to, to perform the function. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you never get a chance to really heal that part of your body. And then you're putting extra stress on other parts of your body. Exactly. Um, for me, I had I actually had a shoulder injury playing basketball. Um, I took a charge from a guy that was a Kentucky recruit in the Nike Premier League back in the day and landed on my shoulder. And then this guy who was he was a center for he's going to be a center out Kentucky. And he landed on me, a huge dude, and just 
ripped up my rotator cuff. Oh. And so, like, I thankfully I didn't need surgery, but it was like rubber bands. Like, it was like a stretched out rubber band. So I had to have it in a brace. And ever since then, I've never had that strength in my shoulder. And I would overcompensate with my other shoulder. And that one became weak over time as well. So, as you were saying, the best thing for Andrew Luck right now is to not be practicing right. and to make sure his body's right. Yeah. They don't keep score in training camp. Yeah. They, they keep, and, and the score doesn't matter in preseason games. So again, we're this is one of those conversations that we're going to have again in the future for, for our listeners, an attitude that's probably pretty productive to adopt at this point is none of this matters until the first week of September. And arguably, arguably, exactly. possibly like a week or two prior to the season beginning. But outside of that, I could not care less about Andrew Luck missing training camp. And the first reason that I'll give you that I don't care is it's been super duper uncomfortably hot lately. And in addition to the guy kind of coming back and getting a little dinged up and having a calf that he's nursing... It's also kind of dangerously hot outside, and I'm kind of okay with my franchise quarterback not practicing while it's that hot outside. And that's not to say that he has earned the ability not to. It's no, he's nursing himself back from a slight injury. And rather than put himself out there and put his calf at risk, he's also not putting himself at risk by trying to be out there. And you think about being banged up trying to go through three days, right? Like just put yourself in that position. That's an undesirable position to be in no matter the position you play. And on that note... A lot of the information I'd seen on the internet suggests the Colts are being very protective of their players, and they're consistently pulling guys out and stretching them out and getting ice on them, putting them in a boot even for a non-ankle injury just to stabilize the stabilize the, the appendage and just take them out for a little while and give them the opportunity to walk it off, right? And, that, you know, that's one of the things you get told as a child is walk off your wounds, Right. But this is these guys are million dollar athletes. We're not walking anything off now. Now we're gonna stop. Everybody stop. Get that guy off the field now. Get him in treatment now and figure out if he hurt himself. Like, you know, the worst thing I've seen so far this year to get away from the Colts a little bit is watching AJ Green on a bad field. Obviously Andy Dalton underthrew oh. a deep ball and that is entirely on him. But AJ Green made a great catch, and if it hadn't been for the bad field conditions he wouldn't have tore all them ligaments in his ankle. He'd have probably twisted his ankle, but I can promise you as somebody who played on some pretty bad surfaces in my lifetime, it didn't help, and it probably made it worse. And he now he tore ligaments in his ankle, and he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. That's an injury as a Bungles fan that not only should you have expected, because, again, it's the Bungles, but the you, Bungles. Also, you also can't believe that in, you know, what is it? Uh, it's probably his seventh or eighth year in the NFL, or worse, or, or he's been. Oh, in he's gonna. He's he's about. I think he turned 31 today. Yeah, so he's probably got nine or ten years in the NFL, right, or more. And now, now in this stage of his career, now he's gonna miss six to eight weeks, probably the first three or four games of the season, and that's an injury as a fan that you can be angry about. But in terms of Andrew Luck not practicing, there's another. There's other guys. What about Sheard? Right, one of our mailbag questions today was right it was asking about Jabal Sheard and with the depth on the defensive yeah, line is that mailbag question was from Travis Janigan at T underscore Janigan 
He said, do you think Sheard could possibly be cut due to his injury and the depth of the D-line, noting that we did cut Simon last year? Right. I wrote the article about us cutting Simon last year and got death threats. So um, um, That's super fun and totally normal for right. people to react that way. Like, why are you so mad he's not on our team anymore? Um, so um, I don't think they'll cut Sheard. I think that they'll try to bring him back. They haven't designated him. To, as far as I'm aware, they haven't designated him IR with designation to return. Well, here's the thing. If they try to put him on IR before the 53-man roster, he can't return. Um, and so in order to have him be put on IR and then be able to return later in the season, he has to be on that initial 53-man yeah, roster. Yeah. Then they can they, they can immediately put him on IR. But yeah. at that point, you've subjected all of those, those players that maybe you didn't want to cut there to waivers. And you might not say you have to cut a guy like a Jerry Green or a Sterling Shippey or like a Jihad Ward to be able to save you're that not IR spot. Jihad Ward. I know. Well, in my mind, at the same time, <laughs> but you know, or say like a Carol Phillips. Yeah, yeah. You, know, exactly. you have to cut a guy that that's got a lot. It got some potential. Right. But because you've got to keep that roster spot for at least that initial fifty-three, but you also risk Ballard's made gone and created a lot of competition, and they've got a lot of depth on this roster. So teams are going to be looking to pick up those waivers. Um, or, or pick off former Colts players that are on waivers. So I guess that's that's the that's the answer to your question, Mr. Jernigan. Is that on the one hand, um, designate him for IR, he can't come back, so that's not going to happen. It's highly unlikely that they cut a player of that caliber because should he heal up, he could be a dominant defensive player, right? So you're not cutting him. So the sad truth, which we just discovered, was we're probably going to have to keep him on the 53-man roster. And then as soon as we turn that roster in, we're going to try to hold on to as many guys as we can. Uh, and that, that comes along with, for the record, being able to hold on to players that are not on your 53. comes from treating people well and like developing a culture in your organization where guys don't want to play somewhere else. You know, mm -hmm. if, I'm a, if I'm a defensive player, I don't want to play against Andrew Luck when they're keeping score. Right? Yeah. I'll well, practice against him, right? I want to get better. I need to get better and play against a player like that. But if I have a choice in the matter, I'm not – I don't want to play against him. I'm not going to a division opponent. So one of the things I like about and, – and you could tell me when I'm wrong, by the way. I don't recall a lot of Colts players going to division rivals where you see that happen in other divisions where uh, Patriots players go to Miami or Buffalo and, and vice mm -hmm. versa. Uh, that doesn't really happen in our division, um, no. most, mostly because in the last four or five years, the Colts haven't been very good, so we haven't had a lot of players. So you were kind here. of excited when they went to the in, to the division rival and be like, oh, have fun with Dante Moncrief, Jacksonville. Oh, when they, when they let Moncrief go, it was the same way about Dorsett, right? When Dorsett mm -hmm. went to New England, I was like, ha, ha joke's on you. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Ballard got him. Like, that's just yeah, how I felt. Yeah, seriously. Like, we got we got more than we gave up, and it, and again, yeah. it's, I said the same thing about Moncrief that I'd say about Simon. It's not about the person; it's about their productivity and like how productive are they when they're on the field. And mm -hmm. I would argue, if you'd have kept John Simon, you'd have never found out what Darius Leonard was worth because he wouldn't have played as much. Well, I think that they probably play a little bit of different positions, but the the because I think that they're going to put Simon at the defensive end. Yeah. Um, and that one, but you certainly would not have seen Teray at all last year. And Teray showed some flashes last year. 
right. um, and showed some promise. Um, I'll say this about the, the mailbag question about Sheard. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him, oh, really? to be honest. Um, Sheard was one of my surprise, like those shot cuts okay. um, prior to the injury. Um, I th- somebody asked in June or May or June or something like that about, you know, who, who would you be? Who's your surprise cut? Who's your, yeah. who's your John Simon? And right. I said, you know, Jabal Sheard, honestly, because he could like Jabal Sheard or Nate Hairston was my guys on offense and Chester Rogers was my, or was my guys on defense players. and Chester Rogers was my guy on offense mm-hmm. that I picked that could be all surprise cuts. And the reason why I said Sheard is because they just signed Justin Houston to a two year deal. They've got that veteran leader there in the locker room and Sheard has one year left on his deal. They've got a lot of young talent there at the defensive end position that they want to give playing time to. So you've got Sheard in there and yeah, you might be able to, to have him play and, and do well and, and get some wins this year, but for your future, which is what Ballard seems to always be looking at, right. it's, it's not necessarily a slam dunk in my opinion that they keep him. I would think that, that they would actually even, they would consider cutting him and I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Right. And that's, that's the thing is you can never be surprised, right? Like you, you've always got to realize like they've got information that we don't have and we think we know a lot, right? But these, these guys are right there. They're, they're over at the, at the complex. They're right in these guys' faces. So I'm glad you brought up that you you'd said prior that Sheard and Hairston were a surprise cut because that was one of the people I was going to ask you about with with all the news about young Yassin and then you've got Pierre and you've got understand that uh, and I for the record if I get names wrong please correct me but it's Jalen Collins right yeah he's been playing well so you have just in terms of and again it's it's how frequently you hear someone's name in my mind so I'm fully capable of admitting that I'm dreaming this up but in my mind specifically in training camp specifically in a in a position battle if you keep hearing people's names that's because they're doing their job well so in my mind in terms of the corners I've heard a, a lot of Yassin a lot of Desir and a lot of Collins and then that kind of leaves an odd man out like a guy like well Nate Hairston because you you know from from the interior, right, from the conversations that Stampede Blue Riders have, Quincy Wilson is the keep, too. So there's four. And the odd man out is Nate Hairston. If you're looking at Nate Hairston or Jalen Collins or Marvell Tell. Um, right. Well, and it's interesting because you've heard throughout camp that Marvell Tell is actually you know, doing pretty well on special teams mm-hmm. right now. And that's that Chris Milton role. Right. You know, so... Right. Is he going to push Milton out? Because that makes the that makes the decision, you know, a lot easier in my mind that you've got. Because realistically, those those final three spots, or those final two spots, was going to come down to some combination of Marvell Tell, Jalen Collins, Chris Milton, or Nate Hairston. Right. And if you've got somebody that can step in, like Yassine, and play that slot corner role, or you know, Jalen Collins can come in and play it and they can show that they can do something on special teams, you're going to push out Chris Milton for sure um, because that was his main offering. Because he's Milton a gunner, right? Was a gunner, yeah. Milton's a gunner, and he's able to make plays on special teams because he didn't do much in terms of the defense. So right. you've got these guys that could actually contribute on defense if needed. 
that are more talented. And this is at last last week we said this when where I said, you know, my my gut says Jalen Collins is the one that gets capped over Nate Hairston and Chris right. Milton, but I could just as easily see them keeping Milton because of his special teams. Right. Now and now we understand uh, how much we value uh, versatility and how having unique size and and speed are going to work in your favor on this roster. So it wouldn't surprise me. And again, again, I'm just saying a guy like Marvell Tell has like long term promise to me because he's big and he's versatile. Right. So he was mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, he paid safety in college and they brought him in to be a corner. Right. And then now he's is am I wrong? He was a safety. In college, he was right? he was a corner going into college. He was one of the top rated corners going into college. And then uh, they flipped him to safety there. I'm a USC, USC fan is the reason I brought that up. Like mm-hmm. he yeah. played safety at USC. And for the record, a lot of people said, like, he's too athletic to play safety. He'd be a better corner. But that he didn't play, he he played less confidently at corner than he did at safety. He just slotted into that position better. That sounds an awful lot like a Chris Ballard player, right? Yeah. He can, he can play corner. He can play safety. And one of the things we know from last year is that the corner the cornerback play was better, but that room was by no means solved, right? That's mm-hmm. still that's still a position of development. I get it. We all can get better every day. I work on it too. But the reality is. Uh, a guy like Marvell Tell is probably getting kept. Like at this point, it's probably safe to say he's probably going to get kept over, over a guy like Hairston or or a guy. Uh, I can't remember the other player you just brought up. Milton. Uh, Milton. Chris Milton. They're probably he's probably getting kept because he's younger and he's bigger and he's versatile and he can kind of do it all. And those are kind of guys you want on your team in December, right? When yeah. other guys get banged up and you've got to have them play. But it's you know what if that safe what if that safety room is questionable again? Right. And so now, you know, Gathers, Farley, Willis, some combination of those guys get banged up. you got to have a guy like Tell that can play both positions. Right. Yeah. So I, I kind of I kind of you know, always lean on my, on my guys for my schools. For the record, I'm a USC, Miami and Purdue fan. So I got one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast and one right up the middle. Um, so weird to me. It just gives me three programs to follow <laughs> in major conferences. Uh, and I'm not just give, let, let's be real. This just gives you an opportunity to stay up late and watch football on Saturdays. So you're literally watching football all day because like Miami plays Miami and Purdue play in like that noon four o'clock hour yep. and then USC's West Coast. So you get to stay up late and watch football and you get a, another reason to to just hang out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you thanks and Brett. For, thanks. Thanks for telling my wife. Uh, yeah, my trade secrets. But yeah, there's a reason that you pick up a Pac-10 team is because they play at 10 o'clock. And if you all wound up from watching football all day, it you know, those West Coast games, they run a little different offenses. It's a little less smash mouth, a little more uh, fluid. And, you know, from watching Marvell tell like, hey, he's a really good athlete. But it felt well, like he's also bigger, too. He's 6'2", versus he's like six Chris two. Milton's like. Yeah, he's 6'2", Chris Milton's 5'11", mm-hmm. Tell's got more versatility, he's longer, yep. you know, he, he's, it just seems like he'd be a better fit in this defense now that they're, it looks a lot like they're transitioning it to more of that Seattle, Seattle, like a hybrid defense between the, like, Seattle cover three and the Tampa two, because they're certainly bringing in those athletic just fast players. And that's been kind of the big big mantra over training camp the past couple of days is that the defense is fast. Everywhere yes. is fast. 
And like, for example, EJ Speed has been popping at training camp from everything we've heard. And mm -hmm. Darius Leonard today said that EJ Speeds reminds him a lot of himself. Oh, and that so, makes me still feel, feel so good about myself. And so you've got, is EJ Speeds the one that stayed home and went to college, right, to take mm -hmm. care of a family member, and then he's just a Tarleton monster. State. Yeah, Tarleton State. Like watch mm -hmm. his tape. He's a freak of nature. Like when you watch him, you're like. Dude, he looks like he's two people. Like, he just yeah. moves so fast and he's so big. And oh my gosh, he hurt that person. Yeah, not hurt him, but like hit him really hard, right? Um, so that EJ Speed, like all these. For the record, Chris Ballard and that entire scouting staff are gonna win awards one day, um, or be all NFL yeah. coaches. Well, uh, and it's funny because like certain there's some people on Twitter that were like, oh, he's a, he's a former quarterback or. No, former former wide no, he's a former wide receiver transitioned yeah. over and we're like he never played wide receiver. He just did wide receiver drills at a at his practice because that just made sense for him to try to get get out there somewhere because he's a freak athlete. Right. And but he's he's six four, two twenty five and, and blazing fast and flies around the ball, but he played linebacker at Tarleton State and then played quarterback, I think, going in. Uh, going into college, and so he's got experience on both sides. And I, gosh, I'm he was a mutant quarterback then, six oh, four, two twenty five, and a freak athlete. Like that's a yeah. mute. That's, um, that's yeah, small. That's, like that's a small. Bigger version of like Michael Vick. Yeah. 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 Um, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it would be Cam Newton because I think that you know this guy's a lot. EJ speeds a lot faster than Cam. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like speaking of speed, like uh, for example, like Danico Autry. Like he had nine and a half sacks and he is so fast to get to the quarterback. And he did that from the defensive tackle position and he was dinged up. It's kind of like what we talked about earlier yeah. with, with luck and letting him get fully healthy. Nico Autry was hurt the majority of last year and 12, still ended this season. Yeah. Nine and a half sacks in 12 games, right? Yeah. It, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know how many games he played, but I know he had nine and a half sacks yeah. and I know that he was dinged up from, like week three on or something like that, or might've been earlier than that. And he is just showing out. He's given Quentin Nelson all he can handle yeah. on, on, which is what play. you gotta so, have. You have to have, right? Cause if you watch Quentin Nelson in game, there aren't many people getting one over on him. So it's like Geno Atkins and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Basically Geno Atkins. And then when you, when you really look at the Colts defense, you know, it's about time, right? One of the things I've been saying for, I probably, it's probably been more than a decade, brother is there's no more obnoxious defense on the planet Earth than the, the Tampa 2. Like, mm -hmm. there, we need to be able to play man coverage in third-down situations and stop them from completing that little easy slant or that little easy in route or that little that little out route that they route that they run to the the um, line to gain, oh, and they complete it every time. Back. It's a back-breaking little route. Um and last year the Colts played well enough that you got to you got to figure out if that if the running back on that team is going to beat us. And one of the things that we learned last year is that answer is more often than not no. So for the record, when people talk about running backs and how they're being undervalued, look at the way the Colts played defense last year and how they forced the quarterback to throw the ball to your running back, see what he could do, because everybody else is covered. Uh, it's about time. Like I feel. One of the things that's, that's helped me get through this offseason is understanding how much better quality product we're getting on both sides of the ball. It's about time. Like, we've we've been waiting so long for, like, a good secondary. 
Like we've been waiting for like good secondary play. You know, we waited long yeah. enough for a good linebacker play, right? And then we waited long enough to replace Mathis and Freeney, right? And then we waited long enough. We never, you know, and now we're starting to put it all together and it's coming together quick. And that's one of the things I've loved so far about this Reich Ballard regime is this thing moves. Like we're not sitting, we're not sitting pat, you know. Well, you know, we went into the draft thinking, oh gosh, the Colts need a wide receiver and they need a, a pass rusher really bad. And the Colts went out and said, nah, here's Justin Houston and Devin Funches, and then we're also going to draft guys, right? So they they didn't skimp, you know. So for the people that were evaluating what the Colts needed, we were all correct, right? We all said the same thing: wide receiver, wide receiver, and pass rusher, and we went and got them all, right? Yeah, we, and they in the corner. In the corner. It's went nuts, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I guess it's worth bringing up Rocky Sin, but in terms of what I thought we actually needed, for the record, I thought the Colts were the secondary, as far as the cornerbacks. I was more concerned about the safeties than I was the corners after last That's season. That's fair. Right? Yeah, like, fair. I, I was really worried about the safety what? room because they weren't able to be healthy, but that cornerback play looked pretty good. It's just, again... Yeah, by the end of the season, yeah. Like, you had to see her, and you had um, um, Quincy. Kenny Moore. Quincy's and and Quincy Wilson played really well at the end of the season, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, that yeah the cornerback room. So yeah, I, you're definitely right that the bigger bigger concerns was pass rusher. Pass rusher was always number one on my list. Right. right. And then wide receiver, um, being able to get get a second wide receiver because last year Chester Rogers was your number two wide receiver. And that's um, not to say it, Chester Rogers won't make the team and won't catch a lot of balls, but in terms of what I've been hearing regarding this wide receiver room, it's Deion Kane and Paris Campbell if it ain't T.Y. So, which makes me feel good because, you know, you know, one of the things about get, picking up a guy like Devin Funches is you don't know if that guy's going to work out, right? Yeah. But when and, you get... With, with Funches, like, one of his big strong suits was his route running. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's so interesting to see, you, you see little clips and highlights and videos from training camp and you see him put a cornerback like Pierre Desir in a tough spot and Funches makes the catch because he's got a quarterback that gets it on his hands. Right. Um, and so it, it, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this wide receiver position plays out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's the same thing uh, regarding the pass rushers and the defensive line. Like you're just kind of interested to in how that works out. So I guess the correct answer to our friend asking about Sheeter, Mr. Uh, Jernigan um there's a good chance a guy like Sheard could get cut um, because of the depth on the team. So good question. The answer is absolutely. It's it's entirely possible. It's also entirely possible guys like Hairston are gone and the guys like Milton are gone uh, for their younger replacements. Um, well, and the guy that you would think would step in for Sheard, um, like off the top of my head, I'd probably say Al-Qadim Muhammad would be the guy that, that steps in to take that spot just because he seems like he's a, a better – player on those first two downs yeah um for that at least the base defense right and then you could see you know banagoo who they've now transitioned full-time to defensive end i think i don't think they'll they'll play much at linebacker this year um i need them yeah exactly like they don't right now which is great um, good spot but, to be in <laughs> yeah which is nice nice to, to finally have that but yeah i think that it'll probably be alkadi muhammad that'll be the, the player that takes over for Sheard if Sheard is either cut or misses a significant amount of time, which seems like that's going to be the case. Um, it's one of those things where you just 
kind of got to roll with it. And you've got guys that are versatile, like Jihad Ward, who can play the defensive tackle or defensive end position, like Taekwon Lewis, that can do the same thing. Um, and so you've got a lot of options and versatility there along the defensive line, which is, again, what what you want as a fan and what you want as, as somebody who supports a team to know that they've got talent. Yeah, my, my least favorite part about being a football fan is when, like, a starting player, yeah, obviously anyone, it could be anyone, when a starting player gets hurt and you know their replacement is not on their level, right? And you're like, oh, no, this whole game could fall apart because, you know, a Quentin Nelson goes down and this guy, you know, and Haig comes in. I'm just naming names. Yeah, wait, uh, Nelson on, goes let's, down. Let's maybe pick somebody else. Okay. <laughs> pick somebody else. But let's pick, like, Glow, right? And say Glow goes down and then Haig comes in and you're thinking, you know, offensive line's not as good as it was. Like, it just had, it gelled better. Or, and again, I don't want to name anyone anyway. I don't want anyone to get hurt. But, like, you get what I'm after. Like, when a household name goes down and the replacement comes in and everybody's groaning, like, oh, no, like, this like, is all yeah, you don't want fast. you don't want that significant drop off like you're going right. off a cliff from right. from you know running back one to running back three two it, you don't want that huge drop off and I, I think with the the Colts and what Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds have done is really really increase the competition level to where you that that wins over replacement or what are the the wins about uh, um, war the war yeah yeah. Like it's not as as big uh, for all these players anymore um, versus what it was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, where if your starting linebacker went down, you were like, you had to go look like who is the backup? Right, exactly. That's what I'm kind of talking about. When when you get to the Colts roster now, so this is year three for Chris Ballard, right? Am I wrong? Is this yeah, his third yeah, season like here? Three. Yeah, yeah, so here we are, year three. And in my opinion, this is the most complete Colts team from 1 to 53 that we've had since the prior era, which which is eight years ago. Yeah, I would 100% agree. That this is and the I'm, most complete team we've had since Bill Polian. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not comparing anyone directly, so I don't want anyone to say, you were comparing Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and Reggie Wayne with T.Y. Hilton. No, 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 I was not going player for player and comparing. What you know I'm what, saying, I am. I yeah, am. He's like, I no, am. No, I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying in, terms, and I'm in terms of depth, too, this is the best we've had in eight years. Like, that is a long time to basically be in a rebuilding mode. So if Everybody wants to say, you know, everybody said it takes two or three years for Chris Ballard. No, it took eight for the organization to unscrew it all and get to the point where you have Andrew Luck, you know you have to protect him, and then you just have to get better on defense. And I'm going to keep pounding that rock and saying the same thing. You're going to hear me say it in my postgame videos this year. As long as you play productive defense, your offense doesn't have to be great. It can you could have Alex Smith back there and as long you know what I mean and but no we have Andrew Luck who just is that he's seven to ten percent better in a game. Um, you you know one of the beautiful things about watching this team is taking the pressure off of Andrew Luck, right? By establishing a good offensive line, by running the football, by providing him with a wealth of targets. Uh, people forget that Andrew Luck set an NFL record for passes to or touchdown passes to different players last year. Right. That just oh, tells you know that as long as he's I heard I saw it on a Colts video like from the Colts today. Uh, 
or no, it was the top 20 uh, announcement. By the way, Andrew Luck was number 20 overall in the NFL 100 uh, in their 100th year. So Quentin uh, Nelson wasn't ranked. Uh, that's because people are afraid of him. So he's Voldemort to a lot of people, right? Like you're not yeah, allowed. They didn't to, want to say his you're name. You're not allowed to say his name. Uh, you don't want to give him that. any. You want to give him any clout, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't. Know, you don't give him any more clout because uh, he's, he's going to get it, right? Like that's the thing that we know about Quentin Nelson is that he's so strong and he's so smart that you don't have to put him on TV. You're going to see him anyway. Baldy's in love with him, right? He's going to oh, show. Yeah. He's going to show. Uh, Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson highlights until Baldy retires. You know what I mean? Like he, man, he's in love with these fast freak athletes that make up a ton of plays, and then these giant offensive linemen stonewalling people and and teabagging them. For the record, which huh? having played football my entire life, I only met one a football player that teabagged people. His name was Justin, and he was the best athlete I went to high school with. Now he was the kind of guy to put a guy on his back, put a guy in his stomach, and then sit on him. Um, but everybody else that I ever played with didn't even think that far ahead. Um, but so to watch, uh, guys like Quentin Nelson not get their shine in this top 100, that's kind of one of those things where, you know, if, if he hadn't teabagged some of those guys, maybe they'd have said his name. Right. But a lot of, a lot of players, he's got to be Voldemort at this point. You just, you hope you never see him. Right. And that's what I mean by Voldemort. You just hope you don't run into him. Um, but yeah, how you know? I'll keep saying that too. How lucky are we? Um, of course, you'd well, love you'd love to have Andrew Luck out there during training camp. But outside of that, how lucky are we? Like, look at look at this roster. Look at this franchise. Look at that turnaround, right? Like, well, that was a nice here's turnaround. The, <laughs> here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that with the improved talent on defense and the improved competition on offense, mm-hmm. both sides of the ball get better. Right, and so. For example, um, I, I want to say it was after yesterday's practice. You had Justin Houston um, talking about how great Anthony Casanza was and how he never used the same handset twice in a row uh, when when they were going up against each other. And he said it's fantastic to work against somebody that is like that because you've got so many guys that will, will change it up like that. Um, so the defense gets better every day by going against the offense. And, of course, they would get even more better or no, I'm more, just, uh, they, more or better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they, they would get even better if it were Andrew Luck back there. But the fact is, you've got Jacoby Brissett, who's no slouch. Um, but you've got all of the wide receivers that are that are going in right now. And so you get the corners the corner wide receiver matchup in camp has just been fantastic to see the little clips and cut ups of because oh, yeah. you've got. You know, all these young cornerbacks and, and Pierre Desteer and, and Rocky Seen and Kenny Moore and, and Jalen Collins and Marvell Talent, Quincy Wilson, everybody going up against those wide receivers. And it's a good battle. And that's what you like. That, yeah. That's what you like to see against the wide receivers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you see those the situations go on and know that the team itself as a whole is getting better because the talent on the team is getting better. And I think a lot of people don't really take that into consideration because they say, oh, yeah, the, the defense is better, the offense is better. That's great. But you don't realize that working together and working against each other really makes them better in the long run. Because let's be real, the, the defense, they're not going to see maybe twice, three times this year, they'll see a quarterback better than Andrew Locke or even potentially better than Andrew Locke. And like right. Drew Brees, you know, Pat Mahomes, and, and maybe you know, Phillip Rivers. Um, 
Besides, I would, I would debate. I would debate. Ben, be- no. Better is awfully subjective. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah, I, I I agree. Like it's it's very much a subjective point on, on how good a quarterback is because everybody's good my, at different things. In my things. opinion, like Drew Brees is probably going to decline. He declined last year. They ran the ball a lot. He didn't have near as many touchdowns as Andrew Luck. I think he had thirty. And then we look at Mahomes. He had such a breakout year, and everybody. And again, I'll probably put my foot in my mouth because this is about how I do it every year. But Don't do it. Don't Patrick do it. Mahomes last year was so explosive and was so much more productive than everyone else that you have to figure with all the weapons that have lost. Tyreek Hill went down with an injury today. It doesn't appear to be serious. He'll be back. And he's got Kelsey, and they've got they got the little running back, yada, yada, whatever, whatever. You you don't just throw 50 touchdowns back-to-back seasons. It just doesn't happen. So, well, And I think that people are going to be, as you got a full year of film on him, they're going to realize, okay, we can, we can play this guy. We we we've got a full year of film. We've got a whole off season to really scout and figure out what he's doing and, right. and how to neutralize it to a point. Um, and so you, you've got an opportunity. I don't think that he's going to get away with those no look passes. Like I saw him do one of those no look passes in practice, yep. um, or that little cut up, and I was like, if I'm the defender, I'm picking that off. Like. I don't even fall for that fake at all because it's not even a really good no-look pass. Like, he looked there, and then he started his throwing motion, then looked away. And I'm like, come on, that's not even that's not even a legit no-look pass, man. Like, yeah. if you're going to do something like that, make go full out. <laughs> right? Like, like, like uh, make those plays in-game. You don't need to do that stuff in practice because it's not making you better. It's just making you lazy. Um, but in terms of, for the record, in terms of quarterback play, if I really had to pick a horse – uh, I'm really gonna. I'm really, really am going with Andrew Luck as my number one quarterback in the league, and it's because I have higher expectations in Andrew Luck's performance this year than last year because last year he only played ten games, and when I look you dead in the eye and say he only played ten games, he played real mm-hmm. bad to in, start in the season. Five or six games, he was not Andrew Luck that he was at the the actual the real Andrew Luck. Please stand up version, right? When, when, when that guy came around, it was a different ballgame. We won, what, nine of our last ten and, and went, you know, two games into the playoffs, right? Like, that player is a different grade of player than we got earlier last year. And the same thing could be said for the real version of quarterbacks. So here's what I'll say. Andrew Luck is more talented than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers may have had longer career, but they've had the relative same amount of success. And you look at ter- how frequently you go to the playoffs and how deep you go in the playoffs – they're the same players, just Andrew Luck's ten years younger and has twelve less kids. And yeah, then maybe yeah. if you look if you look at Drew Brees, Drew Brees. Wait, fell Andrew off. Luck has two kids? No, no, I'm just. Joking. Wait, wait, does Philip Rivers have fourteen? I thought he no, just had. I, I, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you look at Drew Brees, and in my opinion, from somebody who watches quarterback play pretty exclusively in the NFL, uh, Drew Brees kind of fell off last year. And then if you look at Pac, uh, uh, what is his name? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you look at Aaron Rodgers, the the team around him is not as good as it has been. So that makes me diminish my expectations of him. And then you look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes with the less talent than he had around him this year than last. He'll be relied on more, which makes him more susceptible to the same kind of things that Andrew Luck's been through. With you're so much of a, a, a cog in the wheel of the offense that now guys are just lighting you up. And now you're just getting hit several more times a game because nobody wants that bat, that behind-the-back pass thrown on them. So what are they going to do? Go for the head. Go for the knees. That's exactly what they do. Oh. 
especially in your second year and you're a young quarterback and you and you've played a little cocky and you do not you're in the cover ESPN. Remember, that's a curse, right? Like we've, mm-hmm. we've long since established being on the cover of Madden is not where you want to be. Um, so for the record, thank you EA for not putting our boy Andrew Luck on the cover or our boy Darius Leonard or Quentin Nelson or basically any Cole ever, uh, with the exception of Peyton on the cover of Madden ever. Um, cause we don't want that. We don't, we don't want hard knocks. We don't want the cover of Madden cause those are things that are cursive. Well, right? and the funny thing is with, with hard knocks, the Colts are basically doing that anyway. Right. So which is, which just, which just matter. shout out to the Colts video, uh, yeah. Uh, production Colts productions yeah yeah you're uh you guys are on point you're making some of the some of the best football related material that is not game film related where it's it's just people being people uh and it makes the team feel mo you feel much so much closer to the players and, and it, it shows when you see them in practice and they're right up there shaking hands and kissing babies right um mm-hmm. that's super unique uh i've been to other team's training camps where the team practice is far away from where you can even see them you're not really getting a stadium view of them you're watching them like a field away um they don't come over and interact with you a lot and i get it that is chris ballard that's frank reich going in there and saying hey man if you want people to come pay and play pay to watch you play you better be out there shaking hands and kissing babies because if you're not Nobody cares, right? Nobody cares about the Colts outside of the Stampede Blue faithful and Colts Nation. We are a middle market team, brother. And what this middle market team is doing is improve the quality of its roster in short order in a two-year period and turned itself from a a perennial question mark to a perennial, uh uh-oh, now you got a problem. Indy's coming to town and they're hot. And that's that's what I think you're going to hear every week this year. And, and I'll even go so far as to say, I was in the beginning. I think I said something along those lines: is I could see the Colts going three and one or two and two to start their season. No, the Colts are going to start their season four and zero. Oh. The first question they have is Week Five against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think they'll win that game too. And I think the only real questionable games for me are are the what we we said the the road game on a Thursday night, the so game at Houston, at and, Houston, um, Pittsburgh game, um, and the New Orleans game. Those are the only games I have questions about. Everything else has been answered. And, it, and the thing about it is, I don't think that Andrew Luck is worse than Ben Roethlisberger. I think Andrew Luck is better than him. He's more athletic. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely weapons. say Luck he has is more better. weapons. Yeah. More weapons, a better defense. Yeah. So, like I said, we keep talking. And now, New Orleans, for the record, is a team that I think could meet the Colts in the Super Bowl. So, for, for the record... Last year, when we were watching regular season NFL football, uh, I think it was week 16, uh, Rams, Rams Chiefs was the Super Bowl, right? This year, it's, in my opinion, it's Saints-Colts late in the season, like week 13, week 14 or whatever. Uh, that's the game of the year in terms of the two highest quality rosters with the best quarterbacks and the best defenses possible. As long as both teams play healthy, that's my game of the year. And I get it. It has my team in it. But it actually has both my teams in it because Drew Brees went to Purdue. So, like I said, um, th- this year I'm super amped for. This is the most excited I've been. I've paid more attention to training camp, and I've been really busy. But I'm I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so much good happening. You're li- you're li- you're hearing about not even the start, and I already said that, but it, not even the starting defensive line, non-starters are stuffing the Colts' number one offensive line and goal line work with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback and neither Hines nor Mack playing running back. 
that should tell you a lot, right? Pride is a big thing when it comes to a unit like your offensive line. And when they're getting stonewalled on goal line by non-starters, that should tell you everything you need to know. Like, uh, well, what have we been hearing lately? Iron sharpens iron, right? So it goes back to what you said about Costanzo and Houston working against each other. It's the same thing with Yassine and, and Funches working together. Is that, that tough in practice, get in your face, make you play ball attitude is what makes people great. Right? Did I lose you? No, I was on mute. Oh, <laughs> I, was like, I didn't want to interrupt, and I, I've got a cough, so I'm like, I'm going to put myself on mute whenever. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, like you said, iron sharpens iron, and, and the fact that this team is, is so talented on both sides of the ball, it's going to make for a really interesting season. And, and as you said, I'm, I'm super excited about it, too. It's, it's got a great opportunity to really show show the nation what, what the Colts are all about, and, you know, we're you know, we're a, a middle market team, but we got big market heart and yeah. we, like we love that. our team. We love our franchise. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, we're all in this together and you can Absolutely. sing a song from a high school musical in your head if you want. Right. And that's fine. Um, that's where I was going. Yeah. Well, I hope so. That was where <laughs> I was hoping. I but yeah, like, you. As, as we kind of move forward here, we'll try to bring you, we'll try to get a mailbag going every week so we can answer some questions of topics we really haven't thought about. So one of the things about this podcast that you're going to find is a little different than what everybody else is doing. So just to sell ourselves to you, we aren't, we're not writing out cue cards. We didn't spend an hour, three hours, several days text messaging each other back and forth about what we're going to talk about. It was, when are you available? Hey, are you ready? And then we got on here a few minutes before we started recording. And really, we were just having a conversation. We weren't even talking about football. Yeah, so, we didn't talk anything about football. <laughs> we, we, were talking about, we were talking about business. So the re- reality is this, in terms of what you're getting in this podcast, is two really devoted Colts fans whose opinions are more based on subject matter experts that we view, people like Holder, Kiefer, Bremer, the guys that are at training camp that have been in this industry forever that are telling the story for you and kind of weaving this weaving this narrative for us what we're seeing is top to bottom top to bottom competition everyone is going to practice every day and fighting for their job and that's what you have to have and it's kind of nice for and now that I start to think about this and I get in my head gets a little more caught up to my mouth how nice is it to not have to use Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck is a cheat code, right? To have to have Jacoby Brissett running your offense, and then they keep pulling guys out of the offense to see what breaks the offense, right? And if you, if for the record, if you wonder what that is, it's uh, don't have Andrew Luck and don't have either of your starting running backs, and then you're going to struggle on the goal line because you just don't have as much talent at those positions. It's a little easier to plan against you on offense. I'm just saying, if uh, if the starters roll out there, it's not the same story. But the story today is the defense gave the offense the business. And from a team that had a dominant offense and a defense that wasn't as dominant, you have to love hearing that, right? Like, you want to hear the defense is giving the offense trouble. Oh, great. That doesn't mean that the offense is terrible. That means the defense is getting really good. Like, those are great things. So as we move forward here, like we said, we're going to try to get a mailback going every week. Uh, we have been pretty consistent. This is week five of Afternoon Pancakes. Uh, we'll post this on the website. I know we're not live, so it doesn't matter. Um, but I'm going to post a copy of this on the website soon. Uh, and as we close, uh, I just want to ask you, if i got to have you pick 
a training camp MVP right now, not having been to training camp, and merely just having read things on the internet, who did we not talk about today that we should have? As we walk um, wow, away you really life. put me on the spot. Like, who um, did we not talk about today that we probably should have? I'm probably George Odom. George Odom, right? That, that we, were talking about him, we were talking about him last week, too. About he, that's, yeah. a guy, that's a guy that couldn't... That's a guy that make, I like, that I think could make the roster and and give, you know, put... I think that I think George Odom would be a guy that, that makes the roster and puts Matthias Farley on on skates at the end, at the back side of the roster and and could possibly get Farley cut. He's like number fifty nine um, or forty nine fifty. Yeah, like he, he's right there at the back end. He can play special teams. He's he's good. He's athletic. He's you know quality player um, that I think shows more promise than than Matthias Farley at this point in their careers. Um, and so if I were going to pick somebody that we haven't talked about yet, it's probably him. Cause I think we talked about EJ speed, Rocky scene, mm-hmm. uh, Hale Hinches might be another guy. Um, that, that the tight end from Alabama, mm-hmm. um, he could be pushing Ross Travis, um, off the roster. Which is um, what because, you want. Yeah. And Travis is, Ross Travis is a great player. He just tore his ACL at the last week of the preseason last year and yeah. isn't completely healthy yet. And so, or he's practicing and, and they say he's healthy, but you know, every time you get a big injury like that, it, you're a little bit slower to, to come back till you test it and test it and test it. And then you finally get to the point where you feel good. Um, but everything that I've seen and everything that I've read is, is Hale Hinches is having a great, great training camp so far. And as a reminder, they all, they kept Ryan Hewitt last year for a lot of the season who was that blocking tight end. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what they would put with Hentages is he would be that blocking tight end. And then mine will be, uh, and this this should shake things up a little bit. I've heard some really good things about Deion Kane. I've heard that he's he's getting in there, mixing it up, making plays, and you know that's going to be really controversial. Yeah, I know, I know, right? Uh, after his injury last year, you know, and a lot of people were, <laughs> you know, the Colt the Colts organization has been following his recovery. And then I've I've heard I've seen some plays out of him and and and, and for the record uh, I feel really good about saying this he and Paris Campbell complement each other really well they really because do. they're both really hard to guard and really good athletes and they get a hold of the ball it's like waiting for lightning to strike like you know it's going to happen you're just not sure which one of them is going to do it that's how I kind of feel about uh, Deion Kane is you know you want to temper your expectations coming back off an ACL just like Ross Travis right except. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the Colts would have devoted the resources they did to following his recovery if they didn't kind of have it in their mind that if he comes back healthy and he's any shade of what he was, we're in for a treat. So we'll leave you with that. With hey, hey, this has been Jared and Stephen with uh, Stampede Blues afternoon pancakes. Have a great rest of your week, brother, uh, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>